You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 191. The goal in the radical resilience work is to say, you know, at the end of doing this work and and going through this process, you will become a well-rounded, harmonious, self-aware, robust human being that can really stand firm in themselves no matter what life tosses at them. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Thanks for being here. We have a fabulous show for you today. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And I am over the moon excited to introduce both our topic for today and our extraordinary guest for today. When we think about all the challenges that we are facing in the world and the way that we as human beings have the capacity to be whole, resourceful, and creative. I couldn't introduce you to a better guest than Pega Ketkodian today. Pega is the owner of PK Coaching. She is a renowned speaker, an international trainer, and a resilience expert. She believes wholeheartedly in the transformative nature of resilience. And Pega is going to bring her seven pillars of radical resilience forward for us so that we can better understand how can we rise up, take care of ourselves, and nurture the resilience within us. Pega's own mastery of resilience began with the powerful woman women who raised her, a mother who left revolution-torn Iran when Pega was just three. She also has an aunt who endured political imprisonment and unspeakable loss. Pega was able to witness the strength of these women, and that gifted her with extraordinary examples of our ability to nurture thriving out of hardship And Pega has continued to explore the power of our thoughts. As a master practitioner and certified trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, and mental and emotional release therapy, and she has additional certifications, the point that I find to be so empowering is that with every guest that I bring you to share their experiences They all come from different walks. They come with different focuses, yet it just contributes to this thriving industry of professional coaching. Now, Pega works with people in individual coaching. She teaches at corporate events and universities. She leads wellness retreats. And she's the host of a brand new podcast, Radical Resilience, the podcast. And Pega, you will hear her joy in helping us find the power of each of our radical resilience that we can each harness and hone and learn how to 
call it our own, and engage in the world through these seven pillars of resilience. I cannot wait to introduce you to Pega. So let's go ahead and go to our interview. Pega, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So you do incredibly important work. And as we think about the time that we're taping this, there is so much happening in the world right now. And like every interview that I've been doing lately is impacted by the pandemic that's happening in the world. But when we think about resilience, which is the work that you do, I mean, how important is bounce back muscles and resilience (laughs) in the face of everything that we're having to encounter and figure out how we're going to be our best in the face of. So when we think about resilience, what what do you just want us to begin to think about in in the face of of the discussion that we're going to have today? Absolutely. So the reason we call it radical resilience over here is that our definition of resilience is a little bit unique and different in that in as much as it allows you to bounce back and persevere through difficult times, the way we define resilience is not solely your ability to bounce back or persevere, but rather having such an inner sense of self-awareness, congruence, and absolute unshakable calm that no matter what the world throws at you, you are effectively unstoppable, unshakable. Grounded. And so Grounded, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so where there's a lot of conversation about what resilience is, we like to focus in on how to do it. So good. And you've yeah. got seven pillars that you, you build your whole program around. Can you share a little bit about your seven pillars? Absolutely. You know, it's, I have to start by giving you a little background. The way that this all came to be was because I have gone through some really difficult, difficult times in my life, as many of us have, of course. And for me, it was right after my divorce, which was a very difficult time. I was, you know, pivoting in terms of my career. I was shifting my focus and I had gone down the path of becoming a yoga teacher and was doing a lot of health coaching at the time and realizing that my passion was in something else, but I didn't really know what that was. And then in working with a coach, I would say I received this divine transmission. And by that, I mean, it just came to me that what I really wanted to focus on and what I wanted to give the world in terms of my service is the skill of resilience. I call it an art and a, and a skill because it's so, again, important to learn the how-to of it. And so it started out being something that I just did for myself because I was going through a difficult time. And so I, I, I received this transmission, these seven pillars. I started to implement them and realized that whenever I had been resilient in my life, it was because I had been implementing these seven things. Then I started to take it out for a test drive and take clients through the process and and then researching it. And so it was one of those interesting things where I, I had the download, I knew there was something there. And then 
by way of testing it on myself, doing number, you know, a number of case studies, and then ultimately researching and realized, oh, no, there really is something here. And so the seven pillars are, first and foremost, radical self-care, right? The first one being our ability to really take care of ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And, you know, obviously there's a lot to that, but the, the simple version is, are you making sure that your physical body is taken care of? Are you tending to your emotions and processing those in a way that is, you know, useful for you and uplifting? Are you supporting yourself mentally? What are you feeding yourself mentally? And are you quieting the mind? And then spiritually, are you connecting in some way with something that is larger than yourself, whether that's getting out into nature or, you know, having a deep spiritual practice, just some way of connecting with something that you know is more of a divine force in your life. I keep, as you talk, Peg, I keep thinking like how these things can, I know I said grounded before, but it really like connecting to something rather than kind of floating around ungrounded, all these things that you're talking about just kind of help us reconnect. That's that's the vision I keep getting as you're talking is kind of pulling us into some state of groundedness or connectedness. Absolutely. I always like to say that resilience is both a practical and spiritual journey of learning how to come back home to yourself over and over again. So it is incredibly spirit-based, at least this model that I'm, I'm working with, and to connect yourself and ground yourself in something that feels a lot more consistent than the ever-changing tides of life. Good. So, yeah. so radical self-care is the first yes. pillar. Radical self-care is the first. The second is healing the heart. And by that, I mean taking time to really heal the inner child, heal the wounds that we acquire over time, just by virtue of having this human experience. You know, we have a lot of trauma that we experience in one form or another. And I believe trauma is in the eye of the beholder. You can't say, well, one kind of trauma is worse than any other. We've all experienced things that are traumatic to our nervous system. And so that piece of the puzzle is really going in and doing the inner work of healing, doing release work of clearing out the baggage of the limiting beliefs and and the really intense negative emotions and putting the salve on the wounds that we carry around. You know, I, I heard someone say once that we're all wounded children walking around in adult bodies. Wow. And I that really resonated with me. And, and that pillar is really about tending to that wounded child. Then the next pillar after that is you know, and I have to also emphasize, none, they're not to be done in any particular order. It's a very linear, pro, it's not, a, it's a non-linear process, process, right? you know, really kind of circular, but it helps to go in this order because I do think if you take time to heal the heart, then the rest, you know, becomes a lot easier. Right. So radical self-care being the overarching umbrella of it all, healing the heart being the first thing we really want to focus on. Then the next thing is to learn unconditional acceptance. So that's the next pillar is learning how to say yes to everything as it's happening, no matter how difficult, no matter how gnarly or uncertain or painful it is to really learn how to sit in that discomfort because inside of that discomfort is a great deal of wisdom and learning to be had. So it's really mindfulness-based practices. It's our ability Mm -hmm. to allow the difficult moments in our lives to be teachers, to allow our triggers to be our teachers, the indicators of what we need to pay attention to. 
So important. And then number four. Number four is to reclaim your identity. And this is really the key to resilience is reclaiming your sense of identity and uncovering your dharma or your or so your bigger purpose, your bigger why in life. Because we believe, I believe that when you really know who you are outside of the roles that you play in life, right? So not just your role as a coach or an entrepreneur or a mother or a sister or daughter, you know, or whatever your particular self-identified roles are, when you can strip all of that away and get a clear sense of your true essential self, free of all of your personality traits even, really kind of coming back to the divine essence of who you are, that that is the key to that inner calm and unshakable core of resilience. So this piece of the puzzle really is about shedding all of the things that we really overly identify with and going, yeah, those are roles that we play. Certainly I have to play the role of a coach or I'm going to play the role of a mom, mm-hmm. but that's not who I am. Who I am at my core is so much more than that. I'm a spiritual being. I'm a divine, I'm divine made manifest. And this is where it really takes a, a more spiritual turn. So that piece is really important. And then getting really clear on what's your bigger purpose? What's your bigger why? What gets you out of bed every day? So Once that's again, really connecting to something bigger than what we are. I mean, exactly. bigger, bigger than what we might operate out of, not bigger out of than what we are, because we really are all those things. But sometimes I think we turn a blind eye to that or a dark heart to that. I mean, that we just don't see it. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy in our very busy, but, frenzied mm-hmm. lives to get very identified with external expectations. Right. The to-dos. The to-dos. You know, it's like, I have to be a mom today. I have to be a daughter today. I have to be a, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And then we get wrapped, we get so wrapped up in that, that we actually lose our center. We lose what's really true about who we are. And I can see how that would make us float again. That would be, that would make us feel ungrounded and less resilient. Exactly. Exactly. So that's pillar number four. And then we start to shift over into, you know, the side of the equation that I call thriving, right? So we've done some healing, you know, we've done the healing work, and now we're going to shift over into this paradigm of thriving, which looks like cultivating connection and community, which is the next pillar. So do you have a tribe of people that are in alignment with you, you know, vibrationally or, you know, just of, the, of like mind, if you will? But people who you feel supported by, people whose presence in your life leaves you elevated. So connection and community, people that you're willing to turn to for help when you can't, where you, when you feel like you can't stand on your own. So reaching out to, to those people, asking for help, cultivating that community, and then being of contribution to your community in some way. I have found really helps to cultivate that sense of resilience because you, again, are connecting to something more than just your human experience. You know, you're, you're giving back in some way. So that's huge. You know, I think about when horrible things happen and people who begin foundations or they begin movements in response to that as a way of healing and as a way of like it becoming not a silver lining, but I mean, a way that they then become 
beyond whatever that crisis or whatever that horrible thing was because they create a movement. I mean, that that's what kind of came to mind to me as you were talking about that. Absolutely. So, you know, it's not about distracting yourself from what's going on by, you know, going, okay, I'm going to go serve this organization or create this, you know, uh, not for profit or or volunteer my time, but rather as a means to your own healing saying, right, I'm going to do the necessary work of the other pillars and be of contribution to something again larger than my little experience you know right and so, and become a part of that community so important oh yeah you such good stuff i know and- <laughs> it's, i mean i just i can't take credit for it really because like again i it's it's it was this divine transmission i was like oh yeah connection and community so making connections with people and being supported and giving back if it makes sense you know right so that's one piece of it then the next piece is uh the importance of cultivating creativity. You know, we are creative beings. We are designed to continually expand our creations in the world. And when we are going through a difficult time or we get too wrapped up in the rat race, if you will, Mm -hmm. often, you know, we, we neglect this side of ourselves. We neglect that very necessary second chakra energy of being in the flow of creation. And so this is where, you know, we do a little bit of inquiry to ask, you know, what does that look like for you? When we're little, we give ourselves so much more freedom to explore our imaginations and our creativity. And then as we become grownups, that goes away. It's almost like it's put on the back burner, like it's a, it's a fluff instead of a necessity. Exactly. Exactly. And, And it's so important to have some kind of creative outlet. Now, this is going to look different for different people. You know, not everyone's going to be an artist. Not everyone's going to be a musician. Not everyone's right. going to, you know, be a dancer. You know, for some people, their their creativity happens in the kitchen. Or, you know, they, they get creative in their gardens. Or they get creative making a spreadsheet. I don't know. You know, it's like right. they get creative doing their sort of unique thing in the world. So it's about our commitment to that. Really just committing to that and saying, one way or another, I'm going to bring that back into my life. And then finally, joy as a daily spiritual practice is is how I like to say it. And what I mean by this is really tapping into the things that bring you pleasure, you know, that make you feel alive, that make you feel that sense of expansion. And Part of that could be, you know, your creative practices. And I always like to say too, something to ask yourself is what does play look like for me? Right? When when we look at children, they have such a resounding sense of joy about them. And it's because they give themselves permission to play right. and to take pleasure in the things that they're doing. And so when we put these seven pieces together, what we get is what Brene Brown calls wholehearted living. Yeah. You know, where we where we really feel like a well-rounded harmonious human being. And so that's really the goal in the radical resilience stuff is to say the work is to say, you know, at the end of doing this work and and going through this process, you will become a well-rounded, harmonious, self-aware, robust human being that can really stand 
firm in themselves, no matter what life tosses at them, you become like the palm tree in the hurricane. That I was just going to say, it's like, know? no matter how hard the wind blows, you're able to maintain your footing. Exactly. You come right back to center, you know, and that's not to say you're not going to fall. I mean, the human experience is we're going to fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up, you know, but it's one of my teachers recently said to me, resilience is in the realization that when I experience that deep pain is when I begin to wake up, you know, it's like when we go through those difficult times is when we begin to wake up to more of who we really are. And so not to be afraid of it or to try and avoid life's difficulties, but rather to meet them with an open mind and an open heart and a willingness to say, okay, I fell down. What is there to learn here? How can I recalibrate, you know, look at this moment as an opportunity and get back up and keep going. So, so much of that ends up being about our mindset, right? The way that we look at things, the paradigm that we sort of look at life through the way we think about things. So tell me a little bit about the way that mindset works into your whole framework. Absolutely. So, you know, when I begin to work with with clients, and really even when I work as a consultant in organizations, we look at these 10 empowering paradigms, many of which are, are inspired from things or principles inside of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it's really about our commitment to view the world through this through these paradigms and to view other people through these paradigms and it makes a huge difference in our ability to communicate with ourselves and with other people. And so I introduced these 10 empowering paradigms and within them I just wanted to share three that I think are so impactful right now as we're going through this global pandemic and we're being asked to pivot and be flexible and do things differently. And, you know, they're, the, all 10 of them are, are great. And if we just focus in on these three immediately, it can begin to have a really wonderful impact on our, on our individual sense of well-being, our, mm-hmm. our communication skills, and, and how we're choosing to approach our business. Sure. So even if you're listening to this show, when the pandemic has, you know, gone beyond us, when we're back to whatever our new normal is, these empowering paradigms are going to impact your life regardless. And you picked three for a reason. Let's go ahead and and dive into the first one. Absolutely. The first one is our ability to honor and acknowledge that everyone has their own model of the world. So important, particularly for coaches. I mean, think about this coaches. This is just part of what we do. Absolutely. Yes, we get so wrapped up in in how we choose to see things. And as a coach, you know, I think it's crucial that we acknowledge our clients have their very own specific model of the world. So just that acknowledgement, and it can really help in communication too. Again, we get so fixed on our point of view Mm -hmm. that we fail to see that, you know, the person that we're communicating with, whether it's our client, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our kids, they have their own unique experience. They've had their own unique inner programs. You know, they, they have something going on over there that is completely different than what I have going on over here because we're living two completely different lives. Exactly. You know, it's like there's no one objective reality. There's my reality and your reality because we've had differing experiences and we, we have each our own model of the world. 
And that's going to happen in a family. It's going to happen in an organization. I'm one of eight children. We all have very different paradigms. Of, and we all grew up in the same house with the same parents. It doesn't matter. We all have our own experiences. Absolutely. The second paradigm is seek to understand before you're understood. So good. Tell us more about that. Seek to understand. So again, when you acknowledge that another person has a differing model of the world than you first, you know, and then you say, okay, I want to, I want to go step over into that person's model of the world. I want to stand in their shoes for a minute. And I really want to understand what, why they're thinking the way they're thinking, why they're saying what they're saying, why they're behaving the way they're behaving. I want to approach this with curiosity right? I, re- I really want to understand. So it's sort of shifting away from the paradigm of I'm going to project my point of view or insert myself or assert myself in this situation, but rather saying, you know, let me just take a step back. Let me step over to that you know, side of the equation and really seek to understand. Let me ask some questions until I have clarity or about what's going on over there. And as coaches, I mean, that's really oh, that's so important. 90% yeah. of what we do is exactly. let me see let to understand what's going on through their lens. Let me understand what's this experience like for them? What are their beliefs about it? What are their thoughts about it? What are their feelings about it? Oh, so important. And then thirdly is to recognize that flexibility expands possibility and allows you to yield greater influence. And here's what I mean by that. When we get too fixed and rigid, again, about our point of view and our view of things, and you, you might hear my puppy dog clickety-clacking in the background there, Which but when, is we great. Get, when we get too fixed and, and rigid about our point of view or our stand on things, or even just you know saying like, well, this is the direction that business has to go because that's the way it's always gone, we miss out on the opportunity to expand possibilities, right? There might be a, a different way of doing things or a new way to innovate. Same is true for our ability to yield greater influence. If we can be more flexible than the person that we're communicating with, that allows us a greater level of influence because we can pivot to speak their language, right? We can, we can, I don't have to speak in my terminology. I don't have to speak from, you know, my perspective. When I understand you a little bit better, I can mirror what's going on with you. I can, I can make you feel a greater sense of ease and trust because I've now adapted to your communication style. I've now adapted to, you know, what your model of the world is and I'm approaching, you know, even as a coach, my, my intervention from your model of the world, which is just going to allow me to have a greater positive influence around what's going on. Mm -hmm. So flexibility, can you be flexible in how you view things? Can you be flexible in how you are approaching your business? Can you be flexible in your communication? So flexibility. Flexibility is so important. And one of the things that I've noticed is that when we're fearful, when we are, feel that need to control, then options and flexibility go out the window. And that rigidity makes us pretty brittle. Yes. Yes, it does. And so much of what I've been speaking to lately with my clients is our ability to just pause and slow down and breathe. Because when you do that, you you do become more available to be mm-hmm. flexible. You can see things from a different perspective. You know, kind of calm the nervous system enough 
that you are open to these mindset ideas, right? So it's important to have the mindset, but also to really honor ways in which we can calm the nervous system to allow for that mindset piece to be there. All such good information. I'm wondering what we haven't talked about that is key in your process around resilience or just like something for people to anything additional for them to walk away with? Well, I know that a lot of your audience is, is coaches. Yeah. And one thing that I have seen, you know, I, I used to travel and, and train people in, in NLP and a, and a large population of our audience was coaches. And the number one thing that I can recommend to anyone who is a coach or doing any kind of change work or therapeutic work with people is do your own work. Our clients are always going to mirror back to us the opportunities that we have and the cleanup that we need to do. So whenever you feel triggered by another person, maybe your client makes you, you know, triggers you in some way, or, or you hear something that's really difficult and you can't necessarily, you know, shift your own perspective on it enough to, to really help them. That's a clear indication that you have some inner work to do yourself. And so I always say, I heard someone say, and I love it. And I, and so I took it on a jar. Can't see its own label. Oh, wow. That's an expression I've never heard, but that's so good. A jar can't see its own label. So it's our, responsibility. And Carl Jung emphasized too, that it's so important for us who do this kind of work with people to have someone that we're doing the work with as well. You know, coaches need coaches, therapists need need therapists. So to do your own work, to make sure that you have somebody that you're going to, that can help reflect back to you what you're not able to see. And ultimately who can help you do that cleanup work. And someone said to me, the greatest gift about being a coach is that I get paid to have my, my stuff reflected back to me so that I can do my own cleanups. Like I'm getting paid to grow basically. Right. So it's like such a cool opportunity that we get in working with clients is to go, Oh my gosh, there's a big old flashlight on some aspect of myself that I've been ignoring or didn't see. There it is. Clear as day. So good. And, and I do want everybody to hear, Guest after guest, and I've got some of the most phenomenal guests that come on this show, will say over and over again, I came to this realization through the work I did with my coach. I mean, we got to practice what we preach and, and see that it's our own work and our own growth that helps us show up as our best for our clients. And, and like you said, Pega, I mean, we can be triggered by things that our clients bring forward. What does that tell us and what do we need to do with that? Exactly. So, so good. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to bring your incredible program forward for us. And everybody needs to think about how we are resilient, what we need to do for resilience. And your seven pillars are fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad that you had me on. It's an honor to be here. And, um, you know, my sincere hope that what I shared will be of value to your listeners. I am certain that it will. Thank you. It was such a joy to spend time with Pega and 
explore her seven pillars of radical resilience. I think each of us can learn so much from that. If you'd like to know more about Pega, visit her website at coachpega.com, or I have a bunch of connecting information for her at in the show notes for episode 191 at starcoachshow.com. If you're enjoying the show, I would so appreciate a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Every rate and review we receive helps increase the visibility of the show and helps more coaches find our show. Speaking of the show, you want to come back next week as I am visiting with John Miles, co-founder of the free website, guys, to talk about what we need to think about when building a website. As I ask coaches that I work with, what do you need to know to be successful? One of the big questions I get asked is, do I have to spend an arm and a leg to get a website out there? Do I need to have a website as a new coach? What do I need to put on my website? All those kinds of things. So I invited John to talk to us about websites. So come back next week for that show. And be sure to join us for Wednesday's Wisdom on Facebook every Wednesday, either at 9 a.m. Central or at 11 a.m. Central. If you want to know the time of the week, shoot me an email at meg at a focus on results.com so I can update you on the time of the week. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have an awesome one.